Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. A very warm welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elkoury. Good evening, everyone. I am Seema Barker. Now, we have a packed show this evening. So many helpful um, tips and advice coming from two of our guests this evening. Um, I think we all agree having a positive relationship with your child or teen is the most important thing to every parent. But I don't have a magic formula. Do you, Seema? I have uh, searched and searched in vain, Lydia. I am still looking. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and it takes, you know, it takes a lot of patience, doesn't it? It takes work and we all know raising kids can be very, very challenging. So we're going to crack this nut tonight, aren't we, Seema? These are my favourite shows, honestly. <laughs> really getting to the crux of how do we get those kids to listen to us and how do we listen to them? Yeah, exactly. So we're going to arm you with a few positive strategies by the end of tonight's show. Um, Our first guest is Deborah Christie and she's Professor of Paediatric and Adolescent Psychology and Consultant Clinical Psychologist for Paediatric and Adolescent Psychology Psychological Services at University College London NHS Foundation Trust. I'm not repeating that. <laughs> Take a breath. That's it. I'm Take a breath. That's I'm, just her title. That's just. That's not even all. There's more no, to come. I know. But we'll tell you all about that later. So Professor Christie will be joining us on show to talk to us about building positive relationships. Yes, we did say positive and teens and children in the same sentence. And also about managing family stress. Yeah, I can't wait. And also, we're delighted to have Una Alexander here with us in the studio. She has 25 years experience working with children and families as a teacher, a parent and a child leader and parenting mentor. She's She's got loads of different perspectives. It's excellent. Um, she's a Pickler expert. She's trained parent educator and she has a postgraduate qualification in early years. Yeah, so loads, loads to talk about with Una. Um, she's in the studio with us now and we'll be talking to her in just a while. And coming towards the end of the uh, the show, in case you haven't heard of the Level Trust, stay tuned. About five to eight, we'll be talking to, the, uh, five to nine, I beg your pardon, we'll be talking to Christian from the Level Trust about what exactly it is they do. But before we go a step further, I have to do a big shout out to three gorgeous girls who are listening in from uh, Fleetville, Jaya, Tara and Arsha. Hi girls, I hope you are already in your gym jams and about to head up the stairs to bed. Oh, let's hope so. Yeah. And as we were saying just before the song and um, we tonight's show is all about positive strategies building uh, good relationships, managing family stress. It, it, it just couldn't be better, really. And to start off the conversation, we're really delighted to have Una Alexander Alexander in the studio with us now. Hi, Una. Hi. Hi, Lydia. It's lovely to have you on The Parent Show. So now let me just tell our listeners a little bit about you. So you have 25 years experience working with children and families as a teacher, parent and child leader and a parenting mentor. And you're a Pickler expert. We're going to come back to you about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trained parent educator and you have a postgraduate qualification in early years. So you're very welcome to uh, your debut on The Parents Show tonight. Thank you so much, Lydia. Um, Delighted to be here. Great. Um, so let's let's um, talk to you a little bit about getting children to listen. That 
that conundrum and how do we how do we as parents get our children to listen and get them to do the things that we need to do and let me just caveat that by is it actually possible (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good question and it really is the number one kind of top frustration of parents that i speak with how do i get them to listen they're just zoning me out they're running off nothing is happening they don't get the urgency we need to get to school you know and i totally get that that we have deadlines there is a life to lead and jobs to get to and so on and um i find a really useful question to ask ourselves is why don't children listen and respond and and i think the answer to that is quite simple in a way that they're not feeling connected to us and to what we're asking them to do in that moment. Oh, see, that's fascinating. I, I love that. That's fascinating because sometimes I tell you where I'm, I'm going. I'm diving straight in, Una. Love I think it. where the frustration sometimes comes is especially, let's say, you're trying to get them to do something that they actually want. So, you know, when you say that, you know, it might be, right, we're all going swimming, for example. And they want to go swimming. They're, they're engaged in the idea and yet they're still not really engaging with having to get into the car let's say totally get it yeah exactly and yes and it doesn't matter if it's something they don't really want to do like maybe go to school or something or something they really want to do like go swimming but the thing about the the connection piece and feeling connected is that um the way we often present what we want them to do is often in quite disconnecting language. And this is universal, so this is no judgment on all you know the parents who use this language, and I do it too. Um, but when we say things like, come on, you need to put on your shoes, we're going, we're going swimming, you know, or come on, right, right, now we need to, you know, get our coats on, it's quite a disconnecting way of approaching our children. And it may you may not quite un- kind of get what I'm talking about yet, but I'm going to then, you know, in a moment, um kind of sketch out another way yeah and i'm not saying that there's you know it's wrong to say right we need to but if it's not working here's what you can try yeah no absolutely no that that's fine i mean i think you know we all know that that doesn't sometimes work so how can we connect with them or how can we say something to them that they are connected to i suppose i think that's what you're saying exactly yes so the first thing is to get closer to your child or to your children so it's much easier to connect if you're right up, you know, close to them rather than from the other side of the room, you know, calling across or whatever. And and then take a moment to notice whatever it is that they're up to at that moment, whether they're watching something or whether they're playing, doing something. Just take a moment to take that in and and get what's capturing their attention at that moment. And then just start talking about it with them. So you might say something like, you know, if your tra- child was playing trains, You've built a really long train there with loads of carriages or, you know, pointing out something on the screen that's capturing their attention. And by talking about what's going on for them in that moment, that will help your child connect with you uh, because you're showing interest in whatever they're interested in. And most people like it when people um, are interested in what they're interested in. And you'll notice a shift. Your child may talk to you. They yeah. may look at you. Yeah, yeah. And then when you see that, um, that's your moment. <laughs> and, and so, okay, so I, I, you're right. That does sound quite simple, but absolutely 
on point, I think, which is I'm thinking now if I'm sitting there concentrating, if my children want my attention and they come and say something random to me, I don't necessarily respond. But if they were to say something about what I was doing, like, are you making dinner, mum? I probably would immediately, you know, be aware of them. So, so it it makes sense. Exactly. It yes. really makes it at such, you're right, such simplicity there. And then when you take your moment, will it burst that bubble then? So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm that's wondering. The, that's the thing. Then, um, then it's about not breaking that connection. Yeah. Because that can happen all too easily. Um, so what I recommend to people is inviting, thinking about inviting your child to do what you've got in mind rather than telling them. And it's much more difficult. You know, an invitation is appealing. People want to respond positively to an invitation. So going in, so asking your child in a welcoming tone, in an inviting tone, and saying something like, let's go and do this, or would you like to do this, or why don't we go now and get ready for swimming? Right, okay. That's that 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 oh that that feels like a potential stumbling block to me when the child says no, but I'm I'm watching. Aha, uh-huh. I've got an answer for that too. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, this is great. I, I hope I'm not oversimplifying it, but I think a step by step is really helpful to this issue. So so first connect with them, appreciate what they're doing. That will hopefully get their attention. Yeah, they will focus on you. Then you invite them to do the thing you would like them to do. Mm-hmm. And they say, but I'm watching telly. I haven't finished this level game yet. Okay. It is. Okay. So then it's time to show understanding for their point of view. And it might be that you're, you can be flexible about them finishing that program or finishing that puzzle or, you know, getting the train around the track. And, and even if you can't be flexible about it because there's a certain urgency. Mm. Um, by showing that you understand their point of view, you will earn their, you will earn their, they will um, be become more open and more flexible towards you. Yeah. So, so if you, so if they said, what did you, what was the example you gave? No, but I just want to, what was that? I just want to finish this level game. I'm, I'm imagining that the most alluring thing to some children which is playing on a computer okay, game yeah and so. i'm just i just want to finish this level which as we all know could take two minutes or could take 17 something okay any. it sounds so what i would say would be something so then to show understanding to empathize with the point of view that they've got there yeah. step for a moment into their shoes understand their point of view and say something like it sounds like it's really important for you to finish this level um how long do you think that will take okay and then negotiate with them they say you know 10 minutes well, I think we've, I could allow you two minutes. Mm. How would that be? But because you show yourself to be flexible, they generally, this happens, um, that children also become more flexible towards us, more open, because we've shown that we're able to step in their shoes. They'll also step in our shoes. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And my my temptation is my son responds much better to kind to kindness. Uh-huh. He's definitely more carrot than stick kind of child. But when I but it's so hard to stop yourself when you're in kind of badger organized mode and you're just like mm. putting out fires all over the place and and to stop and do that. But I know I, I know what you're saying. You will. I could imagine getting much more out of my children if I if I took exactly the response that that you're suggesting 
or well, the, the approach sorry exactly because children you know we are their role models and we set the tone in the household so however we are will comes back to us then in their behavior so if we show ourselves to be really reasonable they start being a lot more reasonable as well mm, i think i think that uh, I, i completely agree i suppose the issue is we're in a rush sometimes or the other thing is throw more than one person in and doesn't actually just have to be children does it throw more than one person into that so you could have a partner there who has their agenda because actually but i need to get you need to move the car off the drive because i need to go now and then you've got another child who's ready and waiting and then saying i'm taking my shoes off now because i'm because so and so's not ready to leave and and actually the that that little build up of of different people's agendas and sometimes the the parent who's dealing is the parent that feels like they are dealing with not just their own agenda but everybody's and mm. that's quite a difficult thing to do and i don't want to make it sound over complicated but i think that is the reality for most of us most of the time is actually it's not just our gender it's not just the kids it's different agendas of the kids and and somebody else in it as well you know mm that's that, that's true and and there's no kind of there's no perfect answer to that and each unique situation will require you know it's different solution and it may not be a perfect solution but um but what we can do is to remain as calm as we can mm. in the situation and this always helps not to be adding fuel to the fire obviously and 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 in order to remain calm the one thing that can not Well, I I've got a little um three-step process which is called family first aid and and the first thing I recommend is just to pause. Because very few situations even if, you know, your partner wants the car moved and your other child's taking off their shoes already because they don't want to wait any longer, I totally get it. Um very few situations are truly truly urgent and require, you know, an immediate response. So just pause. And then take a deep breath. and by taking a deep breath you you activate your prefrontal cortex and you get yourself into a more rational frame of mind um which is better for solving situations than a kind of explosive frame of mind or a feeling aggravated frame of mind and and then just dare to believe that it isn't an emergency you know it may seem like an emergency <laughs> because you know there are three people all off in different directions you've got to get them all into one car or something within 3 minutes but dare to believe that it truly isn't an emergency you know and that you can handle it with kindness and care and by connecting with all those involved because you know not only children but partners like to be connected to and understood as well not that it's easy but i think the reframe is really helpful And the truth is that we are triggered not so much by the behaviors and things happening around us as by the stories we're telling ourselves about these events. So we're telling ourselves that you know it's an emergency I should be able to manage it. this shouldn't be happening that's a good one and that's a very kind of ubiquitous one that I find many people are telling themselves this shouldn't be happening I should be able to handle this I should have this sorted and those kind of stories that we tell ourselves make us feel like this is a really urgent situation and it needs immediate solving you know and then we can't solve it and so so then we erupt 
So telling ourselves helpful stories in those situations, like this isn't an emergency, I can handle it in a calm you know, and kind way. Um, I don't need to have the answer. This was a very powerful um, realization for a client of mine recently. Just to say to yourself, I don't need to have the answer. Because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We should be managing our partners perfectly, our children perfectly, our families perfectly. But sometimes you just don't, not sometimes, we just don't need to have the perfect answer in every moment. It's an unrealistic expectation. <laughs> and and the other thing is we don't actually need to be right either because I catch myself out so often just thinking I, ha- I have to be giving my children a definite, definitive answer. But actually it's important not to know too, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And I think actually being right is the enemy of good relationships. Oh, and, I love it. And, that is oh, go- oh my God, that's <laughs> going to be a meme going we, on. Oh, <laughs> we, we've been scribbling furiously yes, already. Have, yeah. Now this is it. Being, wait a second, say that again. Being right is the enemy of good relationships. A good relationships. That is I, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I do think we have to let go of being right because, you know, being if we're right, somebody else has to be wrong and nobody wants to be wrong. And And I think it's, you know, part of why I do what I do is in order to, you know, in order that fewer children feel wrong in the world, um, because most of us grew up um, in families where parents, you know, doing their very best and being magnificent people and loving us and everything, you know, didn't know how to do it different than to make us feel wrong a lot of the time. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, so... So can I get back to your first aid? I'm afraid I haven't written down every single line of what you said. So take a deep breath, pause. And then you said... um, It's not an emergency. Not an emergency. Realise that it's not an emergency. And that... um, And feel like it's okay not to have the answers. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, good summary. Yeah. I'm, it's it's not accidental. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I need this. Yeah. Yes. No, yes, I, I feel absolutely. I feel like I, I I need this. Like you know, I need you saying that in your very calm voice to me. Uh, you know, regularly, maybe seventy-two times a day yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but that is good. Now now, can we just move forward? And I'm not deliberately throwing problems at you. I, I promise, Una. But what if the child simply refuses, um, or more than one child? Um, you are trying to be calm and. You know, we we obviously understand that um, it's very difficult to always remain calm. But let's say that is that is the state of mind that we are trying to encompass. And your children are saying no, partly because they have a need maybe to say no, to be something, um, to prove to themselves that they can say no or just to challenge you or they're trying to be a bit challenging for their own need. How how is the best way to deal with mm. something like that? So it's not great, yeah. necessarily disobedient, but no. do, do you know what I'm getting yeah, at? Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, what you were pointing to is really important. That there is There is always a reason why they'll be saying no. It can feel like they're trying to annoy us or delay us or, you know. <laughs> um, but actually... It isn't about that. There is always, or if they are trying to do that, there'll be a reason for that too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which is a deeper reason than just a flippant reason. So, um, so it's about understanding or getting an understanding for or feel for that reason. And very often we know what that reason is, but we kind of know it's there, but we don't start talking about it with children 
And I recommend actually starting to talk about that reason with our children and, and showing, I mean, coming back to the same point, and I do tend to because I find empathy is an incredibly powerful tool for resolving those situations. Because what tends to happen is that we tend to end up in a kind of power struggle with children. We, we need them to do something. They say, no, don't want to do it. And, and we end up pulling harder on the rope, you know, and then issuing threats and punishments eventually, raising our voice, shouting, you know, anything to make it happen. And all we're doing is, is, sort of creating this situation where there are winners and losers you know inadvertently obviously we're not we don't want to create this situation but it kind of happens because we don't know what else to do and um so what i recommend is is dropping that rope right and not entering into that power struggle at all um and we'll always win it in the end because we are bigger and stronger but it can feel like a really hollow victory Mm. Mm. and um yeah, it just doesn't feel good to win it that way. And and the thing is to to help our children reconnect with us in that moment. If they're resisting, it's because they're feeling disconnected in some way. And try and get to the bottom of why that might be and empathize with them. You know, was it I'm just wondering, for example, I'm just wondering if you're if you're resisting a little bit now because of the way, you know, I raised my voice earlier, or perhaps you're missing daddy, or, you know, perhaps, perhaps it's this or that, you'll, you'll know what it is. And maybe you don't know. But if you don't know, you can say something like, you know, I don't know quite why you don't want to come right now. But I know that you wouldn't be behaving like this if there wasn't a good reason for it. And so by that, you kind of express to your child that you think you, you know, you, you're coming from the assumption that they are a reasonable person yeah. and who has reasons for their behavior. And when we start softening like that, instead of going into the power struggle thing, how can I make them do it? They soften too. I, I mean, it makes complete sense. I think it's also incredibly and it does slightly, I feel like I'm getting palpitations slightly, because it does involve a lot of trust ah, in yes. your children. It involves trust that your children are able to step up slightly and be honest with you, yeah. which obviously, again, it's a big ask of children. Um, I, I'm not suggesting for one second that they're deliberately manipulative, but they're also finding their way in life, aren't they? And so it is... Um, it's a bold way, I think. I don't Seema, know. I think that's so perceptive of you, and I think that is totally what it's about, about trusting them. And I think if we did trust them a lot more, in that way, I don't mean with hot pans and roads and all that, but <laughs> but if we did trust them more to be reasonable and had that deep kind of belief in their ability to work things out you know maybe they're not being perfect right now but the deep trust in them um a lot of our parenting struggles would fall away and actually i'd be out of a job i think oh well we don't necessarily want that (laughs) (laughs) and do you know what i wanted to ask you um una is can 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 those ideas be implemented on a child of any age or are there certain things you can do at certain times you can start having reason not reasonable um mature conversations um 
and now I'm not talking about words, but with a small baby, you really can. Because when you start taking, when we, when we kind of connect with children and, and have that trust and, and knowing that there, there is a, you know, a real individual there, whether, you know, they're baby or, you know, three years old or six years old or whatever, um, you get the response as well. It's amazing. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there's no limit to that. You know, that we're all human beings and, um, yeah, you can and connect. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. And it's so helpful to parents. And even, do you think it's actually going through? Do you, do you think by modeling that behavior from an early, from an early point, mm. you're, you're semi modeling, semi, semi getting them through, getting yourself used to the process or, or do you think they actually really respond? to it do you mean by treating them in, in this way that they become almost like a slightly different slightly different person yeah exactly yes I do think that they when we treat them in this in this very respectful kind of way and take them very seriously that they do kind of rise rise to it however I think that you could and I've seen it that you can change that children's response to us can change in a heartbeat when we approach them differently, when we let down our guard, uh, stop feeling, you know, not that, let down our guard and, and have more trust in them and trust them to be reasonable beings who will have a reasonable response when we are reasonable and open and willing to admit our failings and the things that we may have done wrong and how we may have hurt them. Um, they, they when we step up and become more present in our parent child relationships with our own children they they step up instantly too and by the same token it's so it's no no time is too early is it ever too late i don't think it's ever too late no Great. no awesome. absolutely yes i was just going to ask something similar which is uh, it's very encouraging if you feel because uh, like me i'm sure there are some listeners who are feeling like this all makes great sense but i haven't been doing it like this and actually Unfortunately, I do feel like I do get to shouty level too quickly and and they want to try this, but they know it's going to be difficult. Um, and also, is it going to have an effect if I haven't been bringing up my kids like this already? But your experiences, it's never too late. My experiences, it's never too late. And children always respond to, to kindness and openness. Um, and sometimes... And very often when parents start treating them with empathy, um, I find things calm down in the very first week. Not always. Sometimes they can, they can throw more stuff at the parents just for a short while uh, in order to check out this, this new kind of yeah. way is real. But, but I've, you know, I've never come across a household where this approach has, start, has been genuinely kind of adopted and implemented where it hasn't had an effect on the children's behavior because it's it's just human nature really yeah no that's very encouraging to hear Lydia isn't it absolutely yeah no it's a relief so and I think it is really important for parents to practice self-forgiveness because we're not meant to be perfect um, we're not meant to give them a perfect childhood and we just do our best and we discover things at different times and we will be the very best parents when we can have you know as much acceptance for ourselves in what's and all 
as we can as well as being you know accepting and open towards our children it kind of goes hand in hand you can't be beating yourself up and then be all love and kindness towards your children so yeah fantastic so i i we discussed shouting earlier is your um recipe for to stop parents shouting the first aid well i think there there's a whole kind of yeah i mean i think it is the first aid but it's also um but it's also um the reframing in a larger sense that you know when you get to understand the reasons for children's behavior you you get you become less angry with them overall because you see that they're being horrible because they're feeling horrible and so that isn't you know something to really you know set you off oh it's, oh they must be feeling really bad and that that doesn't <laughs> you know what i mean so once you reframe how you see children's behavior and understand it more deep have a more a deeper understanding of it you have more compassion and patience and understanding naturally and then the other side of it is when you um kind of up level your parenting skills in a way you get better results so you're less triggered you know you're not getting so much difficult behavior so you can you you know you know how to connect and guide them to do the next thing you know with an invitation and so on so things are working better you shout less fantastic it sounds great and it's so reassuring to hear that there are positive strategies that actually work because you've been you've been doing this for 25 years right Una? and you've you've probably seen it all oh well i wouldn't yes i mean i've been with parents and families and children for 25 years in different capacities and in the last five years as a parenting mentor yes Right. So, so I didn't know it all at the beginning. <laughs> I didn't know it all at the beginning. I have to say, you talk with extreme confidence, which is which is in itself reassuring. And actually, something that you said about not being a perfect parent, it's obvious. But I think, one, in this generation, we, very many of us, aspire to be that. And when we probably shouldn't, because it is completely unrealistic... But I think the other is we also perhaps aspire to have perfect children, which is a, a nonsense, of course, because our idea of perfect children isn't perfectly happy children. It's something else. And so yes. I think a lot of the things you've said come to me come uh, come down to just being people that are managing a relationship instead of trying to reach a particular goal. Oh, I love that. Seema, that's that yeah, that's so that's so that's so profound really, isn't it? Because the pressure to be perfect is actually very destructive because we can never be that way as you were saying and we can only come up short and and the pressure and it puts a lot of pressure on a family and I think um yeah i totally agree with what you've just said well i just i just think that around you know around children they're expected to reach certain standards at school they're expected to reach certain standards in particular clubs that they might be doing mm. and there are standards mm. around mm. them and we all probably almost definitely buy into mm. trying to encourage them because we want the best for our children but perhaps without knowing it we are affirming this idea of simply attaining something 
all the time. Exactly, and it is exhausting to to have to be achieving all the time for children or for anybody actually. And the, you know the value of just being and developing. I sometimes have this image that I bring to parents about、um, an acorn, and that you know if you hold an acorn in your hand or just imagine one,、uh, and then imagine the tree that's within it. And in all its glory,、um, that's your child is a bit like that. Everything they need is already inside them.、Mm-hmm. They've got all the 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 wisdom, the kindness, everything everything that they need to be them them uniquely themselves is already in them. And so, and of course, we do need to teach them things, and they do need to be you know taught things and go to school and so on.、Um, But a lot of what happens and needs to happen is just about development, and trusting that development, and and so when you know when we get less, when we can detach a little bit from all the achievement things and just trust our children's development, that they are just doing fine in their own time, in their own way, because each child is different.、Mm. Some children will be early starters, you know, others will be late developers, and some obviously are different, good at some things and good at other things, and. Just to trust and hold, and just keep them, you know, nurture them and keep them safe, while they go on their path. Because the most important thing they have to learn is to learn about, learn how to learn and learn how what they are interested in. Because that's what's going to take them through life. You know, not whether they can do ballet and you know football, this and whatever.、Um, it's about getting to know themselves、yeah. and who they are, what they're interested in, how they can learn things, and for that. They need space. Actually, <laughs> they need a lot of space and trust, you know, and love、uh, and time.、Mm. That's that's great. I love the idea of an acorn. Actually, that's really beautiful. And actually, they're going to grow up to be oaks in their own way, in their own time. Lovely. Yes. Now, very important, or we'll get into big trouble with our listeners. How Una can pa-、uh, can parents can listeners get in touch with you? So. If parents like what they've heard today and they want to learn more, my online home is www.unaalexander.co.uk, and Una Alexander is spelt double O N A A L E X A N D E R. .co.uk, and from my homepage, you can download my free guide, Solve the Struggle with Your Kids, and that's the best place to start to. To find out more about how to radically love your children to happiness and great behaviour, that's fantastic. Una, thank you so much, and、uh, we've kind of we've kind of sucked the marrow out of you tonight. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, so、it's been amazing. Thank you so much. It's been, been such a fabulous conversation. Great talking to you, and thanks for so many tips and、uh, great. Advice that、um, absolutely we're going to have to share notes afterwards. Yeah, absolutely, make sure that we got it all. And anybody can download your guide, and we'll put、um, your face.、Uh, sorry, your、um, website on our Facebook page right now. Lovely, thank you, thank you, Una, for joining us on the Parents Show. Thanks, thank you so much. The Parents Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor the Parents Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. 
Um, welcome back to the Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. Uh, I'm Lydia Elcourie and um, Seema's in the studio with us. Seema? I am absolutely having a brilliant show tonight. Absolutely, it is. It is indeed. Now, um, thanks again to Una Alexander, who has um, given inspired us over the last 40 minutes with some great tips about how to be positive with our children. And I, I don't know if you were taking notes. If you weren't, there's always going to be a podcast and you can listen back to it and take notes when you do it then. Isn't that right, Seema? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, but I will be dropping in to anybody who knows me around St Albans, these, these, all these brilliant things that we've heard this evening. It, being right is the enemy of being of good relationships. That's it. You've got it. Yeah. Okay. That's going to be my mantra for the rest of this week. Now, we have um, a really fantastic local charity coming up next on the show. I'm really, uh, really pleased to have Christian from the Level Trust joining us on the phone. Hi, Christian. Hello. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? It's great to talk to you this evening. So, for anybody who doesn't know, can you tell us a little bit about the Level Trust? Yeah, so Level Trust is a child poverty charity which is currently just working in Luton. We've been going for six years and our sole focus is uh, to, to make, make sure that all children can love learning, that they can access school uh, and to provide them with the material support they need to be able to do that. Um, so if you would like, I can give a bit of a breakdown of what that is. We'd love to hear about it. Yeah, no problem. So we, can, we provide uh, 67 schools in Luton with gift cards and the gift cards can be used for shoes, coats and uniform. Um, we give out around a thousand learn at home packs every year. So those are um, there's a drawstring bags full of the things that children who are starting in reception need uh, and the things that children who are studying for their GCSEs need. And we run a summer school for disadvantaged 8 to 12 year olds to boost their confidence and their social skills uh, and their self-belief and especially their aspirations for the future. And then we do all of this um, by supporting schools that we work with really closely, so linking them up with other organisations. And we have our, our flagship sort of public-facing project, which is the Uniform Exchange, which is a shop that's not really a shop because the currency is uniform. So any family can come in and exchange old or unneeded pieces of uniform for new uniform. What a, what a great charity. What a fantastic job you you're you're doing tell us christian how how are you doing for funding who's supporting you oh we have a we have a very good although i would say that fundraising strategy and um it's it's very broad so we have some fantastic business partners um that that all that work in luton as well so Vauxhall motors support us with a lot of in-kind support machin solicitors um support us with lots of fundraising activity there are other businesses that can help us out with the resources that we need and then we get quite a lot of grant funding in as well. So the uh, summer school is entirely funded by BBC Children in Need. And that's a really significant grant because they're all about supporting disadvantaged children. Um, and the uniform exchange is funded by a combination of the Big Lottery and um, the Steel Charitable Trust. So one, which is a huge national organisation, and then the Steel Charitable Trust, which is a very, very local uh, Luton and Bedfordshire organisation. And then there are other funds... Um, that come from elsewhere, either from grant funders or from fundraising activities. I'm so glad to hear that you've got so many big names. You've got lots of big names behind you there yeah. and giving you really solid support. That That's excellent. And how are, how do schools react when when they hear about you or you offer their support? Them well, support? That's, a, that's something that um, 
we we hear less and less of that that first reaction that schools have because we I think we're only two schools away from having every single school in the town sign up and I'll, I'll be very sad when we don't get that first reaction because normally they simply can't believe it they have this <laughs> they have a bit of a shell shock look on their face and then very few of them but a few might fire their brows and then you can see the questions come in what does the school have to do what do we have oh. to pay anything to be a part and wow. um simply no the answer is no it's all about getting the support to the children so the schools are really really supportive and not just um in the sense that they take the support but they do a lot to give back they they're the ones who have to they really invest in the project and they have to identify the children and the families that need the support the most and then they use our projects and us as a resource to be able to support those families that genuinely is a partnership between us and every single school in the town um, and we try and cultivate that partnership and all of those partnerships and make them better by bringing our link workers so the individuals in the schools who are the ones who are responsible for our projects bringing them all together so they can share knowledge and pull resources and give each other strength in what can be a really difficult job and tell me how did you get started it's such a brilliant idea it's uh, i could imagine this could go nationwide right yes we imagine that quite a lot and um we're more and more we're having uh, conversations about what, where else we can go and what else we can do, especially when we're looking at the sort of systemic reasons that, that children can be affected by poverty and what we can do alongside the support we give to change that. Um, but going back to your, your, your question, uh, we started when a fund disappeared locally um, that was kind of a, a crisis voucher for families um, to get uniform, which could also be used on shoes. That disappeared around sort of um, 2010, but the same reasons that it disappeared. So local, um, local government funding cuts and austerity meant that more and more families and children were going to be in, in a position of need for that sort of thing. Um, so that was spotted by local charity workers and councillors and other people who were very active um, in the town, and the decision was made to set up a charity. And then our CEO, founding director, who's... Um, Still, our CEO was about to go on a sabbatical and she was reined back in and told <laughs> that instead she should start up a charity, which she did. Wow, brilliant. That's excellent. So you're, you're, you're almost 10 years old. Oh, and, oh, not quite yet. I wonder what we'll, we'll be in 10 years. I think we are six years now. Six years old. Right. So, you, so how many, um, Christian, you said you've almost got all of the, all of the schools in Luton. Yes. Is that secondary schools or primary schools? So up until uh, very recently, it was all, it's been infant, junior, primary and high schools. And we've got getting nurseries on board as well. So that's, we're currently at 67. Wow. Um, we have... A couple more to add in, and then we can also look at some of the other and voluntary and independent settings for nurseries because they also uh, support disadvantaged children and young people. We we just want to make sure that we can find them wherever we can, um, and that's not that's forgetting the other organisations um, and services that we work with to reach the children and young people who need our support, like social services, um, uh, citizens advice, the food bank anyone that, that women's aid anyone that might have access to children and young people and do you ever get feedback from families or from children that you're working together with yeah that's one of the things that um it's one of the things that we're really proud of and that we are constantly trying to strengthen um because we have such a great avenue to get that feedback um 
because we're in partnership with all those schools. So just yesterday, one of my colleagues was in a local primary school running a focus group with children who, uh, I think six or seven children who have benefited from a range of our projects, very, very um, ethically tested um, focus groups. So we, we've, we designed all of our evaluation um, with, a, um, with a professor of social studies um, and that's just really, that's a lot of the time it's just talking to children about what they think the cost of the school day is and what, what effect they think it would have on a child. You know, what if a child did not have a school bag? What if they hadn't had a breakfast before they started school? How would it make them feel? And, and children are really great at uh, emphasising and having this sort of imaginary audience in their head that sees them and knowing how other children would feel if they were afflicted by... Um, those kinds of those kinds of issues. So we get to speak to the children a lot, and then because the uniform exchange is completely public facing, we're constantly in conversation with families. So we're not at all set up like a charity shop. We've got big, big, bright, colourful, comfy chairs. We've got lots of colourful colours on the walls. Uh, we should look if if we've achieved the right effect, like a bit of a, a boutique shop. Mm. Um, so when families come in, we're, we're always offering them the chance to sit down and offload some of their stress um, and so we get a lot of qualitative sort of feedback just through those conversations that we have with them. That must be so rewarding. Yeah and it's unusual, often it's unusual for them, it's not the, it's not the case for, for all the families that we support um, by any means but a lot, a lot of the families um, can find support out there a bit intimidating maybe they've had a bad experience or they've just come to see support services as a bit of a threat and so we can be much more of a friend and an advocate um, and a completely unbiased listener yeah how lovely for parents to get that and and i suppose part of it must be that they people aren't used to getting something for nothing and no strings attached no catches no nothing so absolutely it's nice to tell people to put their money back in their purse or their wallet which we have to do sometimes really that is that's so lovely Mm. and um any and from schools do you get any feedback from them about what what kind of an impact it's having yeah yeah we have a lot and and that's that can be really great because you can forget how big the impact can be and i remember one story uh, that came back to us from the family worker at another Luton primary school, um, and they'd given out to the child's parent a coat gift card, and then later on that week, they'd seen the child come into school, and they counted uh, three times throughout the day, I think once in the playground when they arrived, to their friends, once uh, to the midday supervisor, and another time, I think, to a teaching assistant. They'd seen this child showing off their new coat to all of these different people and showing them how it was reversible, and it, comple- it completely changed their demeanour at school that day. And so it can seem, I think, sometimes a bit materialistic or a bit or too little uh, if, if you're an outsider and you just think that you're giving a child a new pair of shoes or a new coat, but it can be everything to lift their spirits throughout the day. And then once their spirits are high, they can engage in learning. And learning is, is what we want them to engage in more than anything. That is the best thing for them. And this just provides kind of distraction-free opportunities to learn because children aren't, I suppose, preoccupied with any kind of self-conscious ideas like, oh, you know, I haven't got a new pair of shoes in, you know, two years or any any of that kind of stuff that could yeah, well, that can could, I really have an impact on children. Like you say, some people might think it's materialistic, but the, the truth is it does matter to children. 
Absolutely, yeah, because because their their social brain is so sort of is so heightened how that how they're seen and their sense of whether they fit in and and whether they're in the peer group that they want to be in is is really really acute with them. And to quote one of the children that was in the focus group yesterday, I think they said, "If I walked into the classroom and I didn't have the same things as other people, I think my face would go hot and my face would go red and I would feel like an outcast." Um, so they really, they really are trained into their emotions, and they and they feel any sort of difference. Um, and it's just particularly sad when those differences are caused by circumstances completely out of their control. Yeah, absolutely fantastic, Christian. Thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us about it. We'll put that we already have put the Level Trust uh, um, website on our Radio Varalum parents show facebook page so it's www.leveltrust.org is there anything parents can do to support you spread the word what would help uh, well, the, what i would really like and i'm very aware that we're a gluten charity and we're, we're on the Hertfordshire show but but w- what i would say is if, if people like the way that we do things if they like the idea that rather than focusing on the negative we're trying to bring joy into children and families lives and we're doing it with in innovative ways like exchanging uniform in a in a shop setup, come and volunteer with us. Um, our volunteers are what keeps us going, and they are very often the ones that bring the joy into the lives of the families and the children that we serve. So, if people like the way that we do things, please get in touch and come along and help out. Um, for the uniform exchange, it just needs to be four hours a week, but you can make a huge difference. And I'm convinced that volunteering with us would make a huge difference to you as well. Brilliant. Christian, thanks so much for joining us. We'll put the contacts on our Facebook page. Thanks so much. Have a good night. All the best. Thanks for joining us. So that's Christian from the Level Trust. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Una Alexandra and Alexander for all her advice. And tune in next week at the same time. Good night.